Morning news feed post game WMAY. Mike Wimacher with you till 10 a.m. We are off and running this Monday morning because we are honored and privileged to be joined right off the hop by actor John C. McGinley. You may know him from Scrubs, Office Space, and now you see him on the final season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. John, how are you doing this morning? Never better, Mike. Great to hear your voice. So how did this Brooklyn Nine-Nine thing come about, and what drew you to the character you're playing, Frank O'Sullivan? So with the height of the pandemic back in February, um, we're sitting around here like everybody else in our pods and our quarantines and blah, blah, blah. And they send me four episodes of the show, of which I was a fan, and the character's name is Frank O'Sullivan, and he's head of the Patrolman's Union in the context of the show. And I'll be darned if it's not Archie Bunker meets Yosemite Sam. And nothing says McGinley like Archie Bunker meets Yosemite Sam. And these writers made him so damaged, they made him, first, first and foremost, not the head of the Patrolman's Union, but a Billy Joel fanatic and a guy who still lives at his mother's house and hosts an NHL Islanders podcast oh my in God. his mother's basement. And so I was like, y- y- yes, yes. <laughs> how do you, that was a fair catch. I was yes. going to say, how do you say no to all that wrapped into one? No like, that. That's a fantastic <laughs> character. Like the hockey podcast thing, as a hockey fan myself, I know exactly who that guy is. Like you know Me who too. that guy is right off the hop. Me too. And so that was a big fat yes. And so I went over to Culver City, which is um, over towards Burbank. I'm sorry, uh, I was over in Burbank. And uh, on the lot there, and what was strange but well done was the protocols that you'd have to do every day, which about almost two hours, uh, you'd show up. If your call time was six, uh, you'd have to go get your nose swabbed uh, over in that line and then go to that tent and wait for your results and then go spit in the cup over in that line and wait in that tent. And so between the different protocols, and I'm not complaining, trust me, uh, you get there at 6, so you weren't in hair and makeup until about 7.45 or Holy 8. Cow. And so that's a different way to start a, a day yeah. on a sitcom. And as a result, instead of 11 pages, which is what you usually shoot, we were shooting about 5, which was much more realistic and a really smart pivot by the producers. Let me ask you, being a veteran actor, what was it like for you? Is it easier for you to go into an established cast like that than it would be maybe someone who's making their first or second appearance on a television show? Oh, infinitely, because that cast between Andy and 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 Joe and, and Andre, they, they were airtight. They had it down. Uh, and so they, they weren't trying to reinvent the wheel every time somebody called action. The writers were mostly writing to the ensemble's strength for their what was essentially a, a victory lap, a, okay. a goodbye tour, because this is their eighth and final season. And so people could kind of luxuriate in that and really enjoy the fact that this is the end of their run. And I thought it was a gracious, lovely, skilled ensemble to be a part of. Well, I mean, you talk about the ensembles you've been a part of. Now, with Brooklyn Nine-Nine being able to be a part of that and their victory lap and going back to Scrubs, was some of the experience you had working on Scrubs help you in this particular role? Oh, sure. Uh, but also, it, it, in TV, it's all about the, the quarterback, right? And the quarterback yeah. in TV is the executive producer. And in, in Scrubs and uh, subsequently Ted Lasso, the guy's name is Bill Lawrence, and he's largely the, the Norman Lear of his generation. And a, a different iteration of that is the guy who's in charge of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and his name's Dan Gore. And your set's only going to be as good as that executive producer, and both of those guys are massively talented. So the set runs like clockwork. Look, at if, if the page is coming out of the writer's room, if it's, if it's like getting water from a stone, you're dead. Right. And these guys are so facile. They're, they can just they can take care of a problem in a second because they can just pivot 
and that makes that's your that's life or death on a on a on a sitcom set. We're talking with actor John C. McKinley. You can see him as Frank O'Sullivan in this last season of Brooklyn Nine Nine. This isn't uh, your first go around, though, uh, playing someone in the law enforcement field. You actually appeared on one of my favorite shows as I grew up around Chicago, Chicago PD. Uh, talk to oh, us. That was about, a great gig. I was going to say, talk to us yeah. about that experience, and it allowed you kind of to play a bad guy. Yeah, it sure did. The, the executive producer, I keep going back to this, right. of Chicago PD is a classmate and a dear friend of mine named Eric LaSalle. And Eric had been calling me over the years to try to get me out to Chicago, but uh, I was producing a show called Stand Against Evil, which oh, is what fantastic. I was on talking to you about last time. Fantastic I'll start show, crying yeah. if we start talking <laughs> about that. Um, but Eric invited me out. Stan finally had terminated, and so I got to go out uh, to Chicago and play a guy who was just, it was a study in blind ambition and, and, and climbing the ladder and stepping on anyone who needed to be stepped on. And un, with, with no apologies. Right. And so actors are always trying to find a way to reconcile who the character is and what he or she wants and is doing. And this guy was just about climbing. And that is a really fun space to, to inhabit. Uh, and the writers wrote him as this just blind ambition. And if you get in the way, you are a casualty. That's fun stuff. I was going to say, as a fan of that show, um, you, the, the scenes between you... By the way, I wanted to do it for a couple of years. So when they <laughs> killed him, <laughs> just, for the, just for the record, I, I told this to Eric. I said, for the record, I want to I become the mayor. He was the, he was the head of the police. And, right, yeah. And he was running for mayor, and then he gets assassinated. I think Anne Hayes uh, ended up killing me. Um, but... And that's a if, if anyone's three seasons behind, I just wrecked it for you. Um, Spoil alert! Sorry, we have to put that on the podcast. Three, three seasons. Spoiler alert! Uh, but I told Eric, I said, Eric, I want, I want to, I want to stay. I want to stay because Chicago is the greatest town on the planet, and my the fourth McGinley brother is Johnny Cusack, and Johnny and I were just going to Cubs games, and my wife Nicole came out, and we were going up to Cubs games, and my friend Chris Chelios now works for the Blackhawks, yep. so we're having fun with Chelly. It was, I mean, look, Chicago is the greatest city on the planet, and. Uh, no disrespect to New York, but Chicago is just unbelievable. I I, and, I tend to feel that way too. There, there's so much to unpack right here. One, I wanted you to stick around too because the scenes you had, and I can't remember as a fan, I should know the actor who plays Frank Voigt, but those scenes were fantastic between you two. Uh, was cooked. Uh, oh my! Jason oh. just he, that was cooked, man. Oh my God! That, those were just fantastic. So I'd love to still have you around. And the second thing you bring up, Cusack. Uh, you talk about the Malibu mob that you're a part of, um, and you play. Yeah, some... it used to be everybody moved. Johnny oh. moved to Chicago. Uh, everybody moved. Tony Danza moved to New York. Shelly moved to Chicago. Well, I'm the only one out here. Oh <laughs> no! Very lonely. I was gonna say because everybody's you... gone, man. Uh, no, I, Johnny I... Mac moved to New York. Everybody's oh. gone. Because I read you played some golf with Cusack. Does he ever, as a psych out, like bring a boombox with him in a golf Johnny cart just to kind of? Play golf. I don't know who. I don't know who wrote that. But Johnny does not play golf. Those, oh, he those doesn't. Two things, no, those two. That that's a somebody put that somewhere, and it was Johnny doesn't play golf. That's okay. He, that if you looked it up in the dictionary of antithesis, it would be John and golf. <laughs> That's that. Well, good to know. We learned something uh, about Cusack there. We only have a couple moments left. I can't talk to you, John, and not speak of office space. When did you realize it had become a thing? No, long time. I mean, it was a dog with fleas when it came out in movie theaters. Some genius in publicity decided that the poster would be Milton covered in post-its and 
you cover a human being in yellow post-its, it looks like Big Bird. Right. So I think people <laughs> thought it was an R-rated Big Bird movie, which be which would be interesting. It but, would be. <laughs> uh, that, that thing tanked, and then I guess, you know, uh, what do you call it, DVDs and, and, and video cassettes were happening, and people found it that way. And that's, uh, it was years, years, Indeed. years. That thing, that was two weeks in, in, in theaters, and it was it died it wouldn't, I think died. Nobody went to see that movie. I was going to say, when the, someone first then quoted it to you, you're kind of shocked, like, who is this doing, what, what, where did you find that thing? Yeah, it was all, you know, back when we used to watch all those those movie cassettes or whatever, the VHSs yeah. and the betas, and it, it happened it, with the ascent of those, that's how people consumed that media. <laughs> it good. all sounds like dinosaurs now. But, right, it uh, does, that's, yeah. You that's got, how it happened. You got to wonder, it, it, nowadays it would have to have been a viral thing in order it to catch on right, and, exactly. and become the thing that it is. So, uh, John C. McKinley, it's been a pleasure. I could talk to you for another hour just about the Chicago PD. And I even touch on Summer Catch was one of my favorite movies. And you have a oh, fantastic... Oh, Summer Catch. You had a fan- in, oh, God, oh, that was a great gig. I got to meet Hank Aaron on that. Oh, my God. Yeah, I for, you were such fantastic. I mean, the in that role and just you, you, you could tell that you're a guy who loved baseball because when you talked about baseball. being being a scout, like every word you said in that movie, as a guy who's a baseball fan as well, resonated with me. I'm like, this is a guy who just Hank went came by his up gut. From Muscle Shoals, Hank lives, was living down in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and he came up for like one night. So I had Hank Aaron sitting. We were scouting oh my together God. for about three or four hours. He was, I guess, and then he got a plane and he went back home. But for three or four hours, I was sitting, and I'm like a Hank Aaron historian. I'm sitting with Hank, Hank Aaron. Oh, my God. I'm sitting with Hank Aaron. Yeah. One of the greatest things ever. Oh, my God. Such a great, one of the greatest players of all time, one of the greatest guys of all time. What what a great experience. John C. McKinley, thank you so much for sharing some time with us. Uh, Best of luck going forward, and hope to have you back on the program again sometime soon. Great. Look forward to it. All right. Take care. That is John C. McKinley, the actor. God, that's an awesome story. I'm glad I brought up Summer Catch at the end. Being able to hang out with Hank Aaron, a guy who's lived a fantastic life, loves him some radio, and we loved having him on. Appreciate him taking the time.